1: hello and welcome to on the ledge podcast episode 136 i'm your host jane perrone here to guide you by the hand through the world of houseplants In this week's show, I talk to Steve Hickman of Hoyland Plant Centre about the wonderful world of Clivias. Or is that Clivias? And we meet listener Rose. (coughs) Sorry, there wasn't a midweek bonus episode on Wednesday. I've been a bit weary, I have to say, this week. I think it's all caught up with me a bit over Easter, But I am back at the microphone today to bring you the episode you've all been waiting for. Well, I say all of you, I've had a couple of queries about when this episode was coming out, so I hope that you enjoy. Thanks to Paul, who has become a legend, one of my $5 a month Patreon supporters. And thanks to Jung Perrier, who left a review on Apple Podcasts, saying... I'm very picky about my podcasts. Me too. It's just hard for me to listen sometimes, but this particular podcast is a very relaxing and informative way for me to unwind during this crazy, crazy time. I'm very, very glad that I found this and I highly recommend this to any houseplant people. Isn't that nice? So thank you to Jung Perrier for giving me that five-star review. And why don't you be more like Jung and get your review done now? If you're not familiar with Clivia miniata. This is a wonderful species that's native to Southern Africa and they're members of the Amaryllidaceae family, that's the lily family, uh, with strap-like leaves and gorgeous lily-like flowers that are usually orange but come in a range of colours through to red, rusty red, yellow. And there's also some with variegated leaves for all you variegation fans out there and as to the clivia clivia debate well they were named after lady clive who was the granddaughter of robert clive and clive of india so i guess officially it should be clivia but steve from hoyland plant center and i both say clivia so You're just going to have to deal with that if you happen to be a proponent of Clivia. Steve Hickman is part of a family-run nursery called the Hoyland Plant Centre in South Yorkshire in the UK and this interview was recorded before lockdown happened so there may be some references to flower shows which normally at this time of year Steve would be attending with his plants but of course that's all been curtailed for the moment but that just puts it into context as to why that might be mentioned in this episode episode. Now, Steve, as well as being an expert and one of the premier breeders of clivias in the UK, he is also an expert breeder of Agapanthus, tobegia and Nerines. So do check out their website, somethingforthegarden.co.uk, which has got loads of information on growing all of these plants, including clivias, and really is a great resource. I'll put some links in the show notes so you can take a look at that. Over to Steve to kick us off with some fantastically useful information about growing these beautiful flowering houseplants. And he starts by explaining exactly what caught his eye about clivias in the first place.
2: First of all, we started and we still do agapanthus. And then a few years ago, the agapanthus changed families into amaryllidaceae, which covered the clivias. I started going to the meetings of the Society and I met other growers, principally a guy called Mike Jeans, who was the then National Collection Holder. And from talking with him and seeing the cliviers, and the fantastic amount of colours that are available in now, such as reds, bronzes, yellows, picatees, greens, an array of pinks and fantastic bi-colours, it really attracted me eye. The shape of the leaves, like a fan shape, is exactly like the agapanthus, impressive when not in flower, but because of the array of different flower colours, they're just fantastic, they're just mind-blowing.
1: Clivia's went out of favour for a long time,
2: Steve. Do you think they are coming back in fashion? It's a traditional Victorian plan, like you say. Our parents and grandparents used to have them, like they used to have the Aspidestra. Uh, mainly, they the, have been available in the oranges and occasionally the yellows. But these days, like I say, all these different colours are coming available. And what we're doing to encourage people to start growing, uh, we're exhibiting clivias at uh, the larger RHS flower shows, such as Chelsea uh, and Chatsworth, Uh, where last year we did it for the first time in the pavilion at Chelsea, and we were looking to get the gold medal, along with the Agapanthus exhibit as well. So people are seeing all these new fantastic colours for the first time, and people with the played orange one uh, are sort of uh, increasing the collections. I think we are always going to be suckers for all those new
1: and interesting plants. Steve, more generally, what are the basic care tips for clivias? I think they're quite tough plants, aren't they? You're exactly
2: right, they are tough and easy to grow. So, w- let's start off in February. Uh, if you've got a clivia in a container, they only like to be repotted every now and again, just like the Agapamthas, same family, they like the roots to be congested. So once you've got your plant in, say, a 6-8 to eight inch container, it's happy for 3, maybe 4 years in that same container. Now, let's start February. You start watering the clivia, once a week or once a fortnight, just keep it moist. But you do start to feed the clivia once every two weeks. And the reason you start feeding now will uh, become apparent sort of later on. You do this right through the season up to about September. Now, if you're in a warm room, the clivia will start to flower, send the flower up through the leaves. Early January, February, even a little bit early if it's a really warm room. If you keep it nice and cool, which we try and do, they'll flower later in the season. Sort of end of may June time, so you keep watering, you enjoy the flowering. If you pollinate the flowers with a cotton bud uh, in the morning or evening, you get seed pots forming, which i 'll talk about later. but the most important thing to keep flowering every year is to do like a cold spell so when the danger of frost has gone sort of end of May, June time you can take your clavier outside under the shade of a tree or a shady part of your patio conservatory and leave it there while the end of October, bring it in just before the frost or alternatively you can keep it in your house while early September and then place it outside September October so it gets that 8-10 uh, to 10 week of chill and that sets the in the base of the plant for flowering the following spring now you keep the cliviers fairly dry over winter so December January you keep it on the dry side not bone dry but dry that's the resting period and then that brings you like I say into February you start watering and keeping it moist you feed once a fortnight the feed then brings the flower up through the leaves and the flower is normally just held above the leaves. If you don't feed it correctly, the flower often stays in the central rosette of the leaves and you don't really see it. So the cold spell in the autumn, the dryish over winter resting period and then the feeding once a fortnight, it keeps your plant healthy.
1: And on the issue of fertiliser, what what feed
2: do you recommend? And the, the, The feed we recommend... Uh, is a is a sort of general feed but we have a specialist feed that we use and we do, it is available on our website and at Flower Shows and that's 181218 18. it's high nitrogen low, low phosphate and high potash and that keeps the plants happy right the way through. They will grow in your house where nothing else will grow so a nice shade windowsill, or actually in your house, where you traditionally grow ivies or ferns. In nature, they're from South Africa, and they grow on the forest floors, mainly in the east of South Africa. Uh, so you've got to mimic those conditions in the UK. So obviously, in South Africa, it's a lot milder climate, so it's a pot plant in, in the UK, but like I say, shady conditions in the corner of a room, a lot of people, especially when the uh, clivia's get on the larger side, place it in the fireplace where you have a log burner in the winter, a nice centrepiece clivia is a real talking point when you have visitors.
1: And when it comes to repotting,
2: is there a particular mix that they prefer? When you're repotting the clivia, uh, it's essential that the compost must be well-drained with plenty of air in the compost. That is absolutely essential. Uh, So we use uh, two parts pine bark... To one part ericaceous compost the compost you use in the garden for your azaleas, your peeris, that kind of thing, your rhododendron, they do like it slightly acid, so two parts pine bark, one part ericaceous compost, with a couple of cups of coarse gravel or grit or perlite in the mix and we mix that up you can mix uh, a little bit of slow release fertiliser into the compost and then if you do forget to feed, they have got a background uh, feed there because it's a greedy plant but the key is to keep it well drained just like an orchid you've got to keep the compost really open because the roots especially in the winter time if they're sitting wet they will rot so the, the secret is to keep them well drained and how root bound do they need to be before you repot should you be looking for a real mass of roots around the root ball they do like it snug and we leave them while you can actually see roots on the surface some of the containers we use obviously the the plastic, we try to get away from the plastic these days but uh, a lot of the older ones are in the plastic pots and you can see the pots getting deformed inside with the roots and the roots get to the surface and when they well you can pot, repot and split clivias any time of year but we like to do it after the finished flowering uh, obviously, otherwise you're, you're going to damage your flower. Uh, and the secret there is to take them out of the container, get your fingers up into the roots, and get as much compost off as you can. Tap the roots. Quite hard with your hand to to, dislodge any dead roots or old compost, and either pot the plant complete into a pot maybe you know two to three inch larger than what it's in, and then it'll be happy in that pot again for another three to four years. Uh, You can go on holiday, uh, water your plant before you go. You can leave them for two, three weeks, four weeks without water, and they'll thrive. They'll really, really thrive on neglect. It's a virtually indestructible plant, providing they're in the well-drained compost. And you mentioned terracotta pots.
1: Do they grow well in terracotta?
2: They grow well in terracotta. They'll grow well in a stone trough, in wooden planters, in fibreglass. They grow well in anything, just like the agapanthus. Well, that's good to know if some of us are trying to avoid plastic. And what if
1: you've got a clivia that hasn't flowered for a few years? What are the normal causes of
2: that? Yeah, normally if a a clivia has not flowered, it hasn't had the cold period in the autumn and it's not been fed directly so it's it's not got the energy uh, it's not getting the stimulus to flower if you water them through the winter and don't keep them dry when it's the rest period all these factors influence the flowering
1: i guess that's the key they're tough plants they will survive but if you really
2: want to get the best out of them you do need to treat them well That's right. I mean, a a contributing factor for not flowering, if it's been in the pot for donkeys and donkeys and donkeys years, Uh, just like agapanthus, same family, the plant will stop flowering. You do have to pot them on every... Like I say, every two to three years and then leave them. But don't leave it in its pot for for decades, otherwise they will stop flowering. Mainly because the lack of nutrients, the nutrients have gone out of the compost. There's that much root that you've difficulty getting water and anything into the pot itself.
1: I've had a listener get in touch telling me that they have brown tips on the leaves of their clivia and they thought that this could be because the plant is too dry, although they thought the plant likes
2: to be dry so what's the answer there well brown leaf tips is a very very easy question to answer it's either too much light uh, and you get the tips and the edges of the leaves going brown or it's lack of feed and what the plant's doing it's it's absorbing sort of nutrients out of itself to keep itself ticking over and that's what you get brown tips uh, and often the edges going uh, brown as well more from steve shortly now
0: Meet listener Rose. Hello, my name is Rose. I'm an avid listener of On The Ledge. I come from Taiwan and I currently live in Stuttgart, Germany. My houseplant hobby started when I was still a student around four years ago. And I'm so happy to say since I started working, I have now been able to expand my collection because I'm earning money. (laughs) And I have now a very, very nice collection of Hoyas. What I really love about this hobby is to go to other places in the world and to see what other people are growing. For example, in December, I went, to, went back to Taiwan to visit my family and my grandma showed me her wonderful garden. She was growing caladiums and begonias just outside. And this is not something we would usually find in Germany, so I was fascinated.
1: Question one. There's a fire and all your plants are about to burn. Which one do you grab as you escape?
0: So I would definitely rescue my reverse variegated Hindu rope. This is such a hard Hoya to find in Germany and um, I just accidentally found it while browsing a normal garden center. This was right at the beginning when I was uh, getting into Hoyas and for me the thrill of finding a really really nice plant just really got me hooked. I think it was just one of those once in a lifetime events. Now that it is springtime, this plant is giving us so much new growth and the new leaves are pink. It's just such a gorgeous plant and it's one of my favorites.
1: Question two: What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge?
0: My favorite episode of On the Ledge is episode 104, the episode about the strawberry begonia or Saxifraga stolonifera. I really wasn't expecting to love this plant so much, but uh, Jane, your enthusiasm was really infectious. <laughs> I immediately bought two of the tricolor and also another one that is just plain green with purple backsides. I'm not sure which one it's called, but not only that. But I also found your explanation of how the ZZ Raven got its name so interesting. This side of houseplants is something that is fascinating to me and I would love to learn more.
1: Question three. Which Latin name do you say to impress people?
0: So I'm going to pass on information that's not actually mine, (laughs) so so to speak. I recently found out about this while watching uh, videos on YouTube from Summer Rain Oaks and Nick Pelleggi. Basically, Calathea Musiaca Network has now been reclassified as Jopertia Kegogenii Network. I was so impressed with this new strange Latin name. Um, That's why that's my answer.
1: Question four. Crassulation Acid Metabolism. Or gotation.
0: Quite spontaneously, I would say
1: Gattation. Question five Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monstera or £200 on 20 interesting cacti?
0: Is it possible to answer this question in a roundabout way? <laughs> I hope so. So basically, in Germany, there are two cacti greenhouses, um, on Cacti and Hag. I believe a few weeks ago there was a listener who works there, and Uli Kaktiun, and both of them have wonderful, wonderful selections of hoya's. My passion, <laughs> so I would spend two hundred pounds on twenty interesting hoya's, and I would pass on the variegated monstera. Seeing as I would be buying the hoya's from a cactus greenhouse, does that count? Think about how much time you spend at home. Does your home really make you feel great? If not, it's time to change it. Now picture yourself coming home, seeing beautiful new furniture from Jordan's.
2: Eating out or a vacation, those things just come and go. But walking into your room and
1: loving what you see, you'll enjoy that every day. Right now, come to Jordan's Furniture and get
2: 15% off everything. Or get up to 60 months with no
1: interest. Call 1-866-245-4722 for financing details. Restrictions apply. Subject to credit approval.
2: Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island,
1: adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the
0: beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua.
1: Thank you, Rose. And I'm glad to hear that I've converted you to the cause of the strawberry sacrifice. And now back to my chat with Steve. Another listener got in touch with a question about rest periods. They bought a clivia and it came with instructions saying that the flower could be made to rebloom in the same year by giving it a three month rest period. Does that sound right? Is that
2: possible? Sounds kind of harsh on the plant. Well, we, we've heard of this, but uh, our care instructions we send out uh, don't suggest such things. I, I would say really uh, that isn't the case, and that's, that's putting it quite politely. What your Euclidias do need is that colt spell in the autumn to initiate the flowers in the base the rest period in the winter on the drier side and then the feed uh, from spring onwards Uh, these are the essentials now where the people sort of get me stuck there are lots of breeders of clavias bringing Uh, all new varieties out right the way around the world. Uh, If you travel to places like South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, especially the Far East, Japan, where I was there a couple of years ago, the breeders are breeding clivias which flower more than once per year. It's in the blood, it's in the genetics and these do re-flower and they don't need a cold treatment. It's quite new, there's not many around and they're not yet commercially available, but the, the genetics is already out there so some people, I don't know if there's 10,000 clivias in England for example, there will be probably two or 300 of these which will flower uh, multi-flower in the column more than once per year and like I say, breeders have got collections of these plant together, the breeding them am breeding them myself to see if we can produce strains in the future which will flower spring autumn and winter, but To put them in the fridge and to re-bloom them, uh, I don't think that's the case. We do keep plants back in our cold store if we want to hold the plants back. We wait while the buds are halfway up, where the stems are probably about five inches long, and if we put them in at five degrees in our cold store, it holds the plants dead. They don't grow whatsoever, and then when we bring them out, into about 10 degrees, 15 degrees, it takes them about three weeks to and flower. So we can target specific shows um, to get them into flower. But uh, re-blooming with a cold treatment, I don't think that would work. What is working as well, there's six different species of clivia, the miniata is the one that people are familiar with, the ball-shaped flower like the agapanthus and the allium on the stem. But the other five species are pendulous flowers. And People have been hybridizing the miniatas with the other species to get into specific hybrids. And these produce fantastic colors and can flower at random at any time of year. We have a collection of about four or five hundred here at Hoyland Plant Centre and our aim is to be able to have about ten different colours in flower at any time of year. So like with the Agapanthus where initially years ago we could only exhibit July-August because that's when the flower, uh, now we've got so many and we've bred different ones, we can do all the flower shows from the early Westminster shows right through to the latter Westminster shows. And that's what we're hoping to do uh in the next few years with the clivia so we can exhibit uh, a lot more flower shows than just the spring ones
1: so tell me about some of these cultivars that should be coming through are these named cultivars that we should be looking out for
2: well how it works with clivia if you've got a collection of clivia a new uh the clivia with the same pollen on the mother plant. Uh, if you grow that seed on and have a look at it, some produce virtually a pure breeding line, which makes, which tells you that you can self it and get exactly like the mother, the same colour and others, because you don't know the parents of the plant, will just produce orange ones. If you know the line breeding of the clivias you've got, and you pollinate specific ones, you can predict, not 100%, but pretty much uh, what colour it's going to be and some, especially breeders in South Africa, there's one what springs to mind called Royal Gala, uh, which is a multicoloured one that is a true breeding line so you can sell that as a proper cultivar, even as a seedling or young plant, uh, but what we've done, we've got plants in South Africa uh, together, reds bronzes, yellows, greens and these are plants with the Known parentage, and because I go over to September uh, to South Africa in September uh, virtually every year now, I can see these plants in flower, the pollinated specifically for me, and we get seeds sent uh, just before Chelsea. So we know the seeds that we're selling is just about 99% what it says on the tin, for want of a better expression. But if you pollinate generally in your own collection in, in UK, for example, you could virtually Get any anything from anything. It's potluck. But if you buy plants from a specific grower who specialises and who knows the history of the plants he's working with, then you're pretty sure. At the moment in time, we're trying to bring new varieties uh, onto the shores which are available as smaller plants because we've only been doing it four years now and it takes from seed to flowering uh, about four to five years to flower. So we're just getting our first results coming through. Uh, We have a few true breeding lines, which, like I say, I bring back from South Africa every September. Uh, But we sell strains, which means it's a mix of yellows or it's a mix of reds or it's a mix of bronzes but we know the lines of these, so we mix the pollen together, so we show what we get. It's not a name variety, but it is a bronze. So to be correct and uh, to be true to our customers, we call it a strain.
1: And there's loads more information on your website, isn't there, Steve? Which is somethingforthegarden.co.uk. And also on the website,
2: I've noticed that you sell seed. How easy is it to grow clivia from seed? Clivia from seed is very, very easy. When the clivia is in flower, the stigma, which is the female part of the flower, is very, very sticky at breakfast time and in the evening about six or seven o'clock. That's the best two times uh, in the day to pollinate. So you get the yellow pollen from the anther, Uh, either pull the anther off or use a cotton bud and transfer some of the pollen from the stamen to the stigma and do that about five times through the week when that plant is in flower so you're sure to get bullseye on one particular day Uh, and what you will get is a green seed pod forming so for example you have a moderate room temperature and it flowers sort of this time of year it's in flower now if you pollinate the plant now then it's going to get a green pod on it come about June time and these swell to about the size of a small marble or a Malteser size berry and as they get older if it's an orange or red clavier or bronze the pods will go red or orange if it's a yellow or a pink. clavier the pod will go bright yellow or a peachy colour so that's already given an indication of what you're going to get. If you open the berry when it's going to colour you'll see there's probably around about five or six pearl-like looking it looks like maize sweet corn if you imagine sweet corn individuals and if you clean them take the outer membrane off so it's nice and shiny wash them under sort of lukewarm water just uh, leave them on the next day and then you need some of the well-drained compost push the seed only halfway into the compost you don't bury the seed put them on a bright but shady windowsill And they'll germinate in about four to six weeks.
1: And how long are you looking at between sowing and having a plant that's in flower?
2: You're looking at about four years. There are there are cultivars which will do it in two to three years, uh, which are grown in specialist light conditions and heat and everything. But from seed to flowering takes about four years. Now we have two different types of compost. It's the same formula: two parts bark, one part ericaceous, a small part of perlite or grit sand with a little bit of osmocotin. But for seeds and young plants and plugs, we have a finer bark. For plants above a one liter or from More mature plants, we have a larger bark.
1: Lots of listeners love variegated leaves, and I know you can get variegated clivias. Aren't they any less tough than the regular
2: plain leaved clivia? The variegated leaves are my favorite, They're, they're my bee's knees. They are rare, they are expensive. But one aim of Hoyland Plant Centre, especially with all these new colours, is to bring the price down because a lot of the plants which we get in Africa are hundreds of pounds initially because you're buying the new stock. But if you don't start with the really best, you're not going to produce the best. And that's why we think it's a good investment. The plants, if if you're lucky enough to get a variegated plant, they are a little bit more difficult to grow than the green leaves. And the simple answer to it is... They'll need a little bit more shade than the normal green ones, otherwise, the variegation will burn. And they don't need watering quite as often, and they don't need feeding quite as often. So, where you'd water a plant maybe once a week if it's a green leaf, it's once a fortnight with a variegate. If you're gonna use the compost, then put, it's still two parts of the uh, bark to one of the ericaceous, but put more grit or perlite into the mix. Don't put as much osmocote in the initial compost, put half the amount, and uh, you you should have no trouble in, in growing the variegate. Steve, can you just explain what Osmocote is to any listeners who aren't aware? It's a granular slow-release plant feed, which you can get different lengths of use. You can get 6 months, 12 months, 18 months. It'll keep them ticking over, that, that background feed uh, will keep them ticking over, and then obviously with the proper feed on top, that's where you get your really superb result. Are there any dwarf varieties for those with rather
1: narrow window sills?
2: Yeah, there are dwarf varieties. We're developing a lot of dwarfs. Breeding, I think we're about, probably about four to six years away from having a really good selection of dwarf clivias, but there are some on the market. Uh, We have uh, some dwarf orange ones instead of the normal ones which will get to two feet high we've got some that get to about a foot high Uh, yellow ones Uh, I think we've got a few bronze dwarves Uh, but we don't sell them as a specific name uh, because if you've got a name variety you can only produce it from splitting, you can't produce it any other way really so we call them a strain we have a lot of different dwarf ones like bronzes or reds or yellows we pollinate those together but because it's not a particular one name variety, we can't sell it as a as a cultivar. We sell it as a dwarf yellow strain. So people are getting yellow and they're getting a dwarf plant. The actual name varieties will come later, but they'll be much more expensive than the
1: strains. I've seen some absolutely enormous clivias at botanic gardens and stately homes. So, yeah, they can get really huge. So good to hear there's some breeding going on on the dwarfs.
2: Well, just to carry on what you've just said, a lot of the really, really large clivia you will see are decades, years old. Splitting, I don't think we've covered in detail. When the clivia has uh, finished flowering, sort of late spring, early summer, and you're going to repot it, you have a choice, either repot it as a, as one plant into a larger pot, or you can... Knock like we said earlier all the compost and any dead roots off the root, and you'll see the side shoots that are attached to the mother plant by a, a thick root. Cut that with a knife, and you can separate the offsets off and leave it a couple of days for the cut to seal so it doesn't rot and then pot it and you've got a separate plant. It's entirely a choice for the individual whether you want just just to get larger plants or you want to get offsets, uh, maybe to give away to a friend or just to increase your own collection.
1: Well, thanks so much, Steve. You've been a mine of information on Clivia's and I hope that lots of my listeners will be getting to know this wonderful plant and adding it to their collection. Thanks so much to Steve and it's important to say that Hoyland Plant Centre is still operating through the lockdown delivering plants, including Clivia's, to their customers. So do check out their website and if you're interested in getting involved in the Clivia Society, then do get in touch with Steve at Hoyland Plant Centre who can get you signed up and I'll include a link to the Clivia Society website in the show notes. That's all for this week. I'll be back next Friday with a very special interview with fellow planty podcaster, Maria Faella from Bloom and Grow Radio. We've done an interview exchange. So I'll be talking on her show the following Tuesday. And there's also gonna be a Patreon extra for our Patreon subscribers. So lots of great content coming your way. I do hope your week brings you plenty of rest, relaxation, and time with your plants. Bye! The music you heard in this week's episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, Chiefs by Jazar, and Sundown by Josh Woodward. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See the show notes for details.